the Why Watch That Talk. Now, wait a minute, listeners. Is Uh-oh. it fall back or spring forward? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm sort of thrown off by this daylight savings time. But guess what's not been thrown off? What hasn't? The TV schedule. No. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Critics <laughs> are going to talk about TV and more TV. And then we're going to talk about some more. Oh. Uh-huh. Listen, we've got some series premieres that we're going to talk about, season premieres, and we're going to say goodbye to somebody. Oh. We're going to say Tata to yeah. someone who's we've definitely talked about on this podcast. But before we do that, let's start with our series premiere. Uh, tell me a story. Uh, oh, go ahead. Tell me a story. Ooh. <laughs> on CBS All Access, it's a new show called Tell Me a Story. Season one, it's about 10 episodes. It is again on CBS All Access and listeners, that means you have to have a subscription to it. Yes, they're going to make you pay for it. Yep. Exclusive and only there. So you can't go to Yahoo or not Yahoo. You can't go to Apple and download it. Um, you have to have an All Access passcode or somebody's code for that. Uh-oh. <laughs> tell us, tell us, tell me a story. Yeah, well, that's the question, can they? Now, look. In the first episode of this show, we're introduced to a whole host of characters, and in some way, they're going to be based on one or more of three fairy tales. That's Little Red Riding Hood, The Three Little Pigs, and Hansel and Gretel this season. Okay. So let's go in order. First up is Little Red Riding Hood, whose name in this show must be Kayla because her grandmother, played by Kim Cattrall, tries to give her a red raincoat. I think we got it. Okay. Now, Kayla has recently moved with her father, who's a chef, to New York City, and she's in high school. Plus, of course, she's a rebellious sort of teenager. Yeah. So one night, a school night, she goes out and meets a handsome stranger, and they do what you'd expect. But... Exactly who is this guy? Is he the wolf? Mm. Or something worse? Is she the wolf? Ooh. Now, up next is the three little pigs. In this section, going back to Kayla, the reason that she and her father, uh, Tim, moved to NYC is because Tim was hired by his friend, Jordan, who's a restaurateur in desperate need of a great chef. Now, mm. Jordan also desperately wants to marry and have kids with his girlfriend, she doesn't want to bring children into the current political climate. Oh, boy. However, just when things are looking up for them, the couple encounters three men wearing pig masks during a robbery. Oh. And things don't end well. So again, the question is, who's the wolf that in this case is going to blow down those criminal pigs' houses? Ah. And last, but I guess not least, is Hansel and Gretel, which... I'm sure are represented by Hannah and Gabe, same initials. Uh-huh. Now, Hannah and Gabe are siblings, but they're not children. They're adults. And one night, Gabe gets into quite the tight spot, which Hannah has to help him out of. But just who is the witch in this story? Well, look, it could be the authorities after what Gabe did. Oh. That seems too easy. That takes care of the three fairy tales, right? So... By the end of Tell Me a Story's first episode, 
The stage is set for this show to turn into some sort of crime thriller. But guess what? Guess what? I don't know who's going to care much after the pilot. Oh. None of these characters is worthy of much or any attention. Hmm. And the pilot just isn't any fun to watch. Now, unless you like seeing people's butts. I guess that's the entertaining part. Okay. Now, being fun to watch is important because the creator of the show is Kevin Williamson, and his best work, except for maybe Dawson's Creek, is always fun. So without that, the bad writing shows, and it leads to suspect acting, plus there's a palpable lack of energy on display. But even despite all of that, everybody, I will watch the second episode just in case a monumental change occurs as the story kicks into gear, but I'm not holding my breath. Oh, you don't want to do that. Okay. But you may want to hold your breath because Pretty Woman is coming back to the small screen. Yes. Amazon released all of their episodes for Homecoming and Pretty Woman. You know who I'm talking about, right? Julia Roberts is starring in this um, TV show that was based on a podcast. Yeah. That some of you may have heard. It was developed by Sam um, Esmail. Uh, you know him from Mr. Robot. Uh, he created that. It's just 10 episodes. The cool thing is they're only like around 30 minute episodes. Yeah. And there's a season two. Mm. And both of us got a chance to pitch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, we have Julia Robert, Roberts in two different wigs. Oh Lord. And wearing very little to no makeup so that supposedly we forget it's Julia Roberts. But she stars as Heidi Bergman, a counselor at the Homecoming Transitional Support Center where veterans process what they've gone through during war and prepare to re-enter civilian life. Hmm. Now, she up and moved to take the job, leaving her boyfriend behind who actually refuses to be left behind. Okay. Yes, he does. And a familiar boyfriend at that. That's right. Dermot Mulroney plays yes. him. No, notice how they got them back together. <laughs> they did. That's right. I forgot about that. But look, something's going on at that center. Her boss, Colin, keeps stressing to her that they need data on these guys so they can secure their government contract. But what kind of data exactly? Hmm. Now, look, Heidi just wants to help. But for Colin... That ain't the point. Why? Also, Heidi has recently started counseling a new client at the center, played by Stefan James. His name is Walter Cruz, and he seems like a genuinely nice guy. Hmm. So everything seems okay, but it feels off. Just hmm. listen to the music. Oh, Lord. Also, all of the guys at the center aren't as seemingly well-adjusted as Walter. Mm-hmm. And that takes care of the start of the events in the year 2018. But this show also has events in the year 2022. Uh Uh-oh. And in 2022, Heidi's a waitress at a restaurant back where she came from. Huh. She lives with her mother, who's played by Sissy Spacek. Oh, boy. And one day, Thomas Carrasco, an official at the Department of Defense, shows up at the restaurant asking questions. Hmm. As part of a DOD investigation, he wants to know what Heidi remembers about the center. Now, Heidi says that she doesn't remember much, which actually seems to be true. So what's up with that? She also says that she left the center to take care of her mother, 
But mama says, uh-uh, no. Okay. <laughs> now, regardless, in particular, Thomas wants to know whether the vets stayed at the center voluntarily or whether they were held there against their will. <laughs> oh, no. Heidi again says, I don't know. And then Thomas asks about Walter. In reply, Heidi says, I don't remember him. <laughs> oh, boy. And that's as much as we really can say. Oh, yeah. So, Ref, do you want to give your thoughts here first? Well, I do want to say that it was refreshing that it was only 30 minutes, so it's not like you're watching 10 hours oh. of a show. And it's the right 30 minutes. Um, if you had a chance to listen to the podcast of this, then you may love this transition. I mean, the podcast originally starred Katherine Keener, um, as uh, as as Heidi, mm-hmm. and then you had what Isaac um, Oscar Isaacs mm-hmm. as Walter Cruz, and then you had David Schwimmer as Colin. Um, now you've got these wonderful, amazing actors here: Julia Stefan and I forget the other guys. Bobby Cannavale. Bobby Cannavale. How can you forget that? <laughs> so you've got a wonderful transition. Now, if you haven't listened to the podcast, don't. Yeah. Watch this because it will take you through twists and turns as Sam always does what he deals with lack of memory what someone what is real what's not real yeah and at the end of this series you're definitely going to get um some resolution and then others are introduced now i will have to say watch the watch the, through the end of the credits on the last episode there is a scene, yeah, they pulled a marvel on you. Mm-hmm. That is alluding to the fact that we're taking things to the next level, second season. My review is this, quickly. Julie Roberts, I, I'm not gonna say she's back, she never left. This is really watching her do what she does best. Very detailed work, small work. They're, um, for the majority of the show, they're just sitting around talking. Yeah. And somehow she makes it interesting. I don't know how, but she does. Um, Bobby, uh, uh, what's his name? Yeah, he's the biggest jerk you've ever seen. Does it so well. Stefan James, just really delightful, smart, as we were talking about earlier. So smart. Very, very um, good, simple work. Yeah. The knock that I have. Oh. Because the story is so amazing and intricate, sometimes the extra um, bells and whistles, I should say, got yeah. in the way. Yeah. Just the music was too much. <laughs> not not when the music was supposed to come on. I'm talking about the actual music. It, the story was interesting enough, but again, they're nodding a lot to the podcast. Yeah. If, listen I guess like me a lot of the bells and whistles just got in the way get out of the way let Julie because she's too big for that Mm -hmm. she is too big for any kind of bells and whistles it's just that's the way she is so am I knocking the show no watch it immediately but I will say get past the first two episodes yeah yeah, and, and you know, here, everybody, this is something where everything might look fine, but you can tell something stinks. Yeah. And you talked about Sam, who directed all of the episodes in this first season, 
He uses all kinds of camera angles and music. We know that from Mr. Robot that reminds you, hey, you should be suspicious. Right. He has his characteristic quirks that are added here and there, as you discussed. He also lets you know which timeline you're in by toggling between two different image aspect ratios, Mm -hmm. which was successful. And it provides an added meaning toward the end of the season, which I really liked. So... You know, after the first half hour episode, you know you're going down the rabbit hole. But really, the question is, Ref, is it worth it? Um, Now, before I get to that, going back to the acting, as you said, look, if you're thinking this is Julia Roberts, the movie star, no, it's Julia Roberts, the actress. Yes, definitely. Which is always nice to see. And and this is not a cast that hams it up for no reason. They are, like you said, they're going to underplay it. It's going to be detailed. But if they have to go there, they will. Just ask Marianne (laughs) Jean-Baptiste. But it fits. It's appropriate. And I'll agree with you. First two episodes, if you get to episode three, you'll probably know whether this is for you or not without even knowing exactly why (laughs) yet. So is it worth it? It's going to depend. It depends on whether you like a show that goes from this, from light drama to drama to suspense to mystery to a suggestion of horror and back again. Okay. (laughs) You like a show that's going to hide what's really going on and just give you little bits piece by piece, episode by episode. And here's a question. Do you have the patience to wait when it seems to stall? Yeah. Yep. 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 Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. That's good. Now, moving on, guess what? There's some series season premieres that we were like on the edge of our seats. House of Hearts. Wow. Is back on Netflix. Mm. Final season. We all know what happened before. Uh, Claire has been taking names and she will be checking off her list. Oh boy. Eight episodes. This is it. Francis is out of the picture. Now, will this new president be, uh, will, will she make America great again? (laughs) Now, look, now it is Claire's turn, okay? Oh, yeah, it is. But does anybody else agree? (laughs) So, in the final season of House of Cards, yes, Frank Francis Underwood is dead, and Claire Underwood is still president, but just how did Frank die? There's what Claire told the public, and then there's something else. Now, the something else isn't necessarily trustworthy either, but Claire did vow to us, the viewers, that unlike Frank, she's gonna tell us the truth. Mm. Now, do you believe her? In addition, just how long is Claire gonna last? Seemingly, no one is on her side. She has to contend with a pair of sibling mega donors, Bill and Annette Shepard, played by Greg Kinnear and Diane Lane who had an agreement with Frank before he died and now want Claire to follow through. But Claire tells them, I'd like to negotiate my own deals. Mm. Now, Claire was childhood friends with Annette, so their animosity is true, deep, and complicated. Also, the Shepherds and the other, uh, essentially, they're the other side of the Underwoods coin. Frankly, no pun intended, the Underwoods were closer to twisted siblings than to a uh, married couple, a normal one anyway. As for the Shepherds, now, Bill exerts his behind-the-scenes power forthrightly, while Annette likes to bob and weave and strike only when needed. Mm. 
So watch out when she does. She's a good match for Claire. Also, Annette has a son who's only too eager to take Claire down through all kinds of political and media manipulations. Plus, the Shepherds have Claire's vice president, Mark Usher, wrapped around their little fingers. But the Shepherds do have weaknesses, both major and minor. And their philosophy is encapsulated this way. This is what Annette says in one of the episodes. She says, anyone that popular is bad for democracy. (laughs) Now, on Claire's other flank is Frank's former chief of staff and fixer, Doug Stamper. Yeah. After claiming to have killed Zoe Barnes all those years ago, which we know isn't true. Wrong victim. Doug's been locked up in a mental health facility. He blames Claire for his misfortunes and has a way to pay her back. But what will be Claire's response? And even if Claire can handle the shepherds and Doug, can she handle everybody else that she and Frank may have wronged either directly or indirectly over the years? Can she get out of Frank's shadow once and for all? Also, is anyone on her side? And is, as is fitting for the political arena, just who can be persuaded to change sides? The answers to these questions are a matter of life and death for Claire, both literally and figuratively. Now, let's wrap this up right with when it comes to this show as a whole. I gotta say, whether Kevin Spacey was fired or not, this show has been building toward Claire as president without him. Yeah. The pacing here is insistent. We're steadily marching to something that can't be good. So it's nice to see that play out. And it's always nice to have more of Robin Wright. I do have to say, though, that having Claire speak directly to viewers a la Frank seems unnecessary and confining for her character. Because mm. the great thing about Claire is that you don't know exactly yeah. what she's thinking. And she has no problem keeping you in the dark. None. So when she's talking straight to camera, it takes away the mystery, which is no fun. I'd rather guess what she's thinking based on the little crumbs that she provides as she listens and reacts to others. After all, in contrast to Frank's initials, which are F-U, Claire's initials are C-U. She's the most devastating of observers. Also, I don't want to have to question what she's saying to me. Less is more with her. All she has to do is look, and you get it. Now, in regard to Greg Kinnear and Diane Lane, adding them to the cast, having a mirror image of the Underwoods, that's smart. And Diane Lane and Robin Wright, they have a nice little nasty tango whenever they're together. There's a nice spark to those exchanges. It's entertaining. The rest of the cast is as good as it's always been. So I'll say this. Overall, they didn't quite adjust to the truth of who Claire is. So the final season isn't everything it could be, and it's not always as smooth as it should be, but flaws and all, it's an appropriately dark and entertaining way to end. And the decision to go from 13 to eight episodes, thank you, very smart. Now all of that, along with the feeling of forward momentum, makes this season worthy of a binge, and it matches its theme song, right? But here's the question, everyone. Will you be satisfied by the very end? Hmm. Hmm. He lets us linger there. But guess why we don't we don't have to linger anymore longing for Outlander to come back. It's back for its fourth season on Stars. And guess what? It's been renewed for five and six. Yeah. Like it's not going and this poor woman is just flopping all over the time zones and, and she's just 
in and out. And she's, you know what? I call it season five. They're going to be dinosaurs. That's <laughs> what they're going to be. Five is all about being a dinosaur. Season six is about being a Martian. <laughs> tell us about Outlander. <laughs> well, look, let me tell you. Can I just say again, I just love their theme song. They always change the music a bit every season, so I always listen again. I just wanted to say that. I love that. Thank you. Um, now, look, at the end of last season, Jamie and Claire found themselves on the coast of Georgia in the New World after a shipwreck. And now at the beginning of season four, it's four months later, and the year is 1767. <laughs> okay. And they've traveled up the coast to North Carolina, where one of their men meets an ignominious end, which leads to them. <laughs> I threw that in there for you. Which leads to them being becoming acquainted with Stephen Bonnet, who they unwittingly helped escape the noose. Now they agree to help him further until he reaches his preferred destination, but was that wise? Now, after Mr. Bonnet's departure. The married couple attends a dinner with the governor of the colony who wants Jamie to stay as a landowner. Now, Jamie tells him that he plans to return to Scotland instead. Well, what do you think happens? Scotland. Scotland. Now, the question is, why does the governor want Jamie to stay? Well, there's a possible uprise in the foot due to unfair taxation. Okay. And Jamie is a trained soldier, remember, who would be indebted to the crown. But what the governor doesn't know is that Claire knows what will happen next. And she tells Jamie that he doesn't want to be on the wrong side of history again. Oh, no, no. However, as Jamie notes, their daughter was born in this country. So maybe there's something they can do to make it a better one for her decades later. Plus, Jamie's aunt lives in North Carolina. So what's going to happen when they meet? Hmm. As for the other main characters, Jamie's nephew, Ian, is still being haunted by the ghost of Galish. Who captured him before she was killed last season and who betrayed Claire by attempting to kill Claire's daughter. Don't forget. <laughs> Ian also wants to stay in North Carolina rather than return to his nagging mother in Scotland. Along with Ian is the young Frenchman, Fergus, whom Jamie adopted years ago and whose new wife is now pregnant. So they're not going anywhere. And then there's Jamie's and Claire's daughter, Brie, of course, who's in a different timeline. So, <laughs> will it be a love match for Brie and her beau Roger, who has stars in his eyes? Or will her free-spirited ways be too much of an obstacle for them to overcome? Uh -huh. Oh, my goodness. So, once again, Ref, it's nice to have Outlander back as things get colder outside and the sun sets earlier. It's the kind of show that warms you up and then kicks you right in the gut. <laughs> oh, thank you. And the first episode of this season doesn't disappoint. Also, what's particularly nice is that its main protagonists are good people who are ahead of their time, both literally and figuratively, depending on who you're talking about. Mm. Now, this is important because when you go back in history, you got to deal with all kinds of tragedies and uncomfortable situations and the like. So for this season, you are probably thinking, what about slavery? Right. What about the treatment of Native Americans? Well, yeah. They don't preach, which they shouldn't, but it's clear where they stand, and that's a good thing. Mm. And of course, they got to deal with all kinds of bad guys and gals who disagree. Even still, this is a show that appeals to the romantic, 
in all of us without being completely ridiculous, not completely. In addition, look, it's part drama, part adventure, part fantasy, and part whatever else you want to throw into the mix. So while the pace can be languid at times, its charms outweigh its weaknesses, and there's nothing else quite like it on TV. Oh, pole dark. I think you're trying to catch up with that. Uh, <laughs> let's end this, and and literally end this for one character. Mm-hmm. As of taping, mm. we've said goodbye to Rick. Oh, yes, we're talking about The Walking Dead. I know some of you are still tearing. Uh, this is season nine, and it's AMC, and they are not letting up uh, anytime soon. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's what episode, what four or five? Five, yeah, mm-hmm. it's five. So we know there are more episodes, but we've said goodbye to the man who started it all. Yeah, literally, we woke up with him in that hospital. <laughs> Didn't we? Look at you dropping some knowledge. I know, I know. We woke up with him in that hospital. We've lost a son with Rick. We've fought Negan. We've we've done all kinds of things. And the actor is saying, hey, I'm I'm done. Yeah. So Rick, man of the hour, played by Andrew Lincoln, was a former sheriff, lost his wife, then much later his son, as you said. But he also gained a new love of Michonne and lived to be a father to his baby daughter. He evolved over the seasons into a man who finally realized that at some point you gotta wake up and understand that the world, yep, it's full of zombies. <laughs> who surprisingly, look, surprisingly, they just might be easier to handle than some of the living. Hello. Mm. Now, despite that, Rick never missed an opportunity to tell somebody else what to do. And he was as stubborn as a mule which didn't always work in his favor. Case in point, he decided not to kill Negan, which mm. might have honored his son's memory, but it didn't honor anybody else. Just ask him. <laughs> okay? Now, so the question is, just how do you craft a fitting end for this guy? Well, you have him sustain a critical injury, which gives him a chance to lead a zombie horde away from his loved ones, of course. And along the way, you have him hallucinate Discussions with the dead, which allows you to bring back former cast members. Yes. You also have him hallucinate the living so they can say their goodbyes. And you have the living try to rescue him in the end. Of course you do this. In addition, you have Maggie, who will be leaving the show not too long from now as well. You have her finally get the chance to confront Negan and dispense justice as she sees fit. But of course... That justice looks different when she actually sees the man in the cold light of day, which supports Rick's point. Yes, you do all of these things because they are fitting, because they are moving even. But you can't say they're surprising. Right. Even still in saying farewell, doing what's fitting and what's moving, that's more than enough, right? Mm. But wait a minute. You're the walking dead. (laughs) (laughs) so there's got to be a surprise you can't go out like that Mm. which takes us to this question do you turn rick into a zombie yeah do you no no you can't do that no so what you do instead seems to be a thing of sad horrible beauty which actually turns into something wholly surprising then you give us a satisfying time jump 
to kickstart this show's post-Rick path. And then you give a thrilling and chilling tease of the next three episodes, which will introduce us to something too terrible to spoil in this podcast. Oh! So now, the time has come to see what this show is made of as it shifts its main focus to other characters and other problems. The time has come to introduce Samantha Morton's villain character who better deliver and probably will. And the time has come to move on. Yeah. Well, you know what? We congratulate uh, The Walking Dead for their amazing... I mean, how many years have they been on the air? It's been nine years. (laughs) And we say thank you, Rick. Yes. For delivering... um, more than your share so guess what remember i said we're falling forward springing back (laughs) falling back springing forward however you want to look at it you've got an extra hour (laughs) for most of us to catch up on tv so please be smart people Mm. waste the time that you're giving